S-A-M-I-R-Y-E, Sammy Rye here with another one of those podcasts with Sammy Rye. Thank you guys for coming by so much this week. We're going to talk about Marvel Unlimited. We are going to talk about Assassin's Creed, Valhalla, and Odyssey. We're going to talk about some things going on in Fortnite, She-Hulk, House of Dragons, all the cool things that are going on out there, basically. I also want to talk about learning new things. It's something that I felt like was something going on in my life this week. I wanted to share you guys a kind of like a personal journey and some tips and tricks and things that I'm going through right now. I'm finding a lot of progress and things that I'm, I'm doing, and I think it's something that you can apply to everything. It's something I'm teaching my kids. It's something I've talked about before, but I want to touch in and give you guys some new strategies and some things I've been working on personally my life. So we'll talk we'll, we'll touch on pop culture, all things in the movie industry and the inter- the video game industry and stuff. Also, I do want to touch on some things about VR. There's some new things going on in the Oculus space I wanted to mention. Um and then also, I mean even with PS5 VR coming out, I'm going to call some attention to that, right? So thank you guys so much for rocking with me this week. I hope you guys are enjoying things. Remember to check out samiride.com, s a m i r y e.com and join our Discord. At the very top link, there's a banner, there's a Discord icon there you can click on it come into our exclusive discord area we have different fun conversations there's some conversations going on there right now related to the podcast a lot of cool supportive positive people in there if you have any art you want to share or anything you're doing like if you're starting a podcast or you're starting a a book series or if you have songs you want to share please come into the discord and share it um we would love to have you guys there promoting and kind of meeting and you know networking with the samurai syndicate you know let us know what you guys got going on all right, so the one thing I want to talk about this week that I'm really excited about is Marvel Unlimited. Now, Marvel Unlimited is a digital comic book service, much like Netflix, um, and I I have had a long, odd journey with the idea of going into digital comics, right? I'm not a comic book reader anymore, and as a child, I don't know if I can honestly say I was a comic book reader. I think all kids might come across a comic book or might read a few comics. They might come into the possession of a few comic books. When I was younger, there was a store in my area. It was called Pensalkin Mart, um, and it's not there anymore. And it was kind of this like flea market, this indoor flea market kind of place. But it was there like all the time, and um, it's, it's almost like a mall, like a mall meets a, a flea market kind of place. You might have a place like that in your area. And we would go in there, and we had a shop that sold some comic books like on like one shelf. And um, it was cool to go in there sometimes and grab a comic book, or whatever. I didn't have like a whole lot of you know disposable income growing up, so I don't believe it was a situation we'd go in and buy comic books all the time. But I remember, my mom used to tell me great stories about my uncles. My uncles would hang out with my grandpa. He would take them to comic book stores. I guess back in New York, and back then comics were pretty cheap, so they could go in and they could buy a good amount of comic books um, for pretty cheap, like quarters or fifty cents, something like that. And he would buy them lots of comics, and they had lots of comics growing up. But when I grew up, um, we would get a few comics. My sister might get a few comics. My mom would definitely try to get us a comic when she could. And it was always a cool thing to go home and have a new comic book. But, you know, reading the stories, I never read stories in, like, order. I never had, like, seven comic books in a row, right? It'd be this comic book story about something that happened, and the next comic might be something else. I, I like the X-Men. Whenever I can get my hands on an X-Men comic, I normally would. But what I didn't like was sometimes the artist would change. And I didn't understand this stuff as a kid. Where, like, apparently when they make comic books, you might have an artist work on a story for, like, four or five issues. But I guess to get the other story rolling, they need another artist working on, like, the next four or five issues. So I was always a big fan of the art and looking at the characters. So if you were drawing Wolverine and he didn't look right to me, 
I didn't want that comic. And I did not know this, but one of my favorite artists was Jim Lee. I love, my eyes love Jim Lee's art. I didn't know he was Jim Lee. Um, I had to grow up and then I, I loved a lot of other Jim Lee art. I knew who he was. And then when I went to look back to find who was those artists that worked on those comics I liked a lot as a kid, come to find out it was also Jim Lee. So shout out to him. He has a great Twitch stream. Um, he's one of the only people I watch on Twitch, um, you know, pretty often. And he's you can hang out with him and watch him draw. And he's a really cool person. I'm really happy to see somebody like that who's obviously accomplished so much as an artist, but also does things with DC, the DC movies and everything, and still finds time to stream. I think that is awesome. So shout out to Jim Lee. Check out his Twitch. Subscribe to him. If you have an Amazon subscription that you're not using, and you have a Twitch token that you can like give a subscriber, go ahead and support Jim Lee. Have, drop him his little, little Twitch token there. Um, and then Not that he needs it or anything like that, but I think everyone always enjoys the support when they're doing those kind of things to see people interact with them. So... I liked physical comics and having the comics in my hand. And when they started to come out with this idea that you could have digital comics, you know, my first part of me says, you know, that's just being cheap. Like, you guys don't want to have the cost of shipping these comics, printing these comics. Um, you know, this is a way to kind of cut out a lot of people. I worked at a comic book store when I was maybe like 16, 17. I'd work at a comic book store sometimes. Uh, Frankenstein Comics. This was out in like the Woodbury area of New Jersey. I believe it's still there. I hope it's still there. I haven't gone by in a long time. Um, but I'm not really in the area anymore. But yeah, Frankenstein Comics is a place I used to work at sometimes, make a few bucks, help out around the store. And um, it was cool because there wasn't a lot of comic book stores left at that time. It's not one of those things like, oh, I used to work at a comic book store back in my day. They were kind of all gone when I was a kid. Um, there was maybe that one and, you know, a lot of other ones have pretty much have gone away. And the, the person who owned Frankenstein Comics had a very good idea on how to, you know, keep the comic book store alive, basically. Um, but I got to learn a lot about, you know, the business of comic books and how it worked, how it worked for him and things he saw changing. And one of the things was the idea that, you know, digital comics were coming down the road. And even if it didn't, like, wipe out the physical comic book store, it was definitely going to give people another reason to not go to a comic book store, right? So if you don't know, let me explain to you all the problems with a comic book store, right? And number one, you know, comics would come out monthly, but some of them would come out bi-weekly. Some of them would not come out on time. Um, they might be delayed indefinitely. You don't know when they're going to come out. Um, so if you're owning a store and you have customers that are coming to, to pick up comics, sometimes they would come in and a comic book they want is not there. So if you're reading, you know, comic book one, two, three, four, five, and a comic book six is not there, well, that's going to be frustrating. Now you have to physically go to another store, maybe a grocery store, maybe a random place that might also happen to have comics. You're now driving around the city hunting for a comic. And this is if you have a car, you can afford to do this. Um, or you might not get to see the next episode, basically, of your favorite TV show. Think of it that way, right? Imagine how frustrating that would be. And what they would do to kind of remedy this is if you had a box with them, like a mailbox with a comic book store, you could tell them which comics you wanted, and they would try to order, you know, accordingly. So if everybody wanted, like, you know, the Amazing X-Men that's going on right now, um, it was 10 people in the store had boxes that want that, maybe they would order 15 or 20 of them, because they know if some people are going to walk in and grab them, um, but also they would take the first 10, put them aside, put them in your box, so they're waiting for you. However... You would also have the situation for the comic book store owner that was difficult where people would not come pick up their comics, right? So you got like maybe, you know, $10, $20, $30 worth of merchandise sitting in someone's box, you know, hoping they're going to come back. 
And if the person would call in and tell the comic book owner, hey, I'm not coming in, you can put my books back on the shelf, that would be helpful. But that customer who came in and wanted that book might have already left, might have already been upset, driving around the city now looking for stuff, may never come back to that comic book store again because they didn't have the latest issue of X-Men because it was sitting in someone's box and their comic book owner was, you know, the comic book store owner was holding it for someone and they never came in. All these different problems, there's a ton of problems that came with trying to run a comic book store at the time. And then digital comics kind of remedied most of these things. Um, also, another way to make comics was, you know, make money in comic stores to sell older comics, right? To sell collectibles, uh, comic books, they were hard to find. Well, these digital comics now made it that if you just wanted to read the comic, if you weren't some kind of hardcore collector or trader, you can go read almost all the comics that ever existed, right? So the, the value became less and less, I think, for the physical comic. Um, doing some numbers, I did see that comic books still sell, a, you know, for their, their industry, they still sell physical comics, and then people still buy physical comics. It's not maybe what it was, but it's still not a number to just, you know, you know thumb your nose at, right? I think I've seen something like where, you know, there's issues that come out that maybe make half a million dollars, something like that, right? So one comic book bringing in half a million dollars, that's not something that, you know, you just stop doing, right? As a, as a business, there's definitely people out there that should do that. You might look at a movie that makes, you know, a billion dollars, but it takes, you know, maybe years of planning, a lot of stuff going into that movie. The movie cannot work out. So every business has upsides and downsides to it. Um, and I think, you know, comics are still doing their thing. However, there's obviously interest for the company to shift people to digital comics because you can get rid of the, you know, having to rely on the brick and mortar store. Those stories get into the hands of more people. Those characters become more beloved, and you want to go watch their movies, play their video games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't. I really think there's nothing but upside for people um, for the combo company if you can get you to go to digital comics. So all that being said, it's been very difficult for me to switch over. I, I physically like having a comic book in my hand. I like being able to hand it to someone. I like being able to put it away. Um, you know, as a comic book store, like you know, Patreon, right? One of the difficulties I found was if you had enough comics, they got to a point where you're like storing them in your house, right? You might have hundreds of comics in your house and it becomes an issue where you know where to store them. You can't just store them anywhere. You have to buy like bags and backings for them so they don't get bent up and destroyed. Even then, you keep them away from like moist areas, sunlight, all these things you have to learn. And you got to keep these comics in your house and you're keeping them there, number one, for your own personal enjoyment of the collection. But there's always this idea that you can like somehow sell them or trade them later and get some of your money back. Even as a kid, I always understood that was not going to happen. I never believed that I was going to own a comic book that one day be worth so much money it would justify owning that comic book. If I bought a comic book for $5 and you told me in a few years that comic book was now worth $100, some people would say, wow, is that amazing? And I would think to myself, in one day I could go out and earn $100. So why am I worried about this comic book sitting on my shelf? I guess some people say, well, you can go out and earn the $100, and then in a couple years, that other $100 comes, you know, because that thing's worth something now, and now you have $200. Yeah, I, I, I never look at life like, um, me personally, that I should be sitting around waiting for money to come in. If I'm excited about money, I'd rather go out and make the money or do something more immediately, have, take more action. I don't like the idea of letting these things collect. Now, if it's something where... You know, I came across something that was going to be worth a significant amount of money, something like maybe, I don't know, thousands of dollars, a big, something I can't just, you know, acquire in a few days on my own. 
then that would make sense. But those books are rare and far in between. Not to mention, you have to find someone that wants to actually buy them. A lot of times, you go like sell your comic book to a comic book store. They're just going to resell it. So if you think you have something that's worth a thousand dollars, they're not going to give you a thousand dollars. They might give you maybe three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars, because they're going to turn around and try to sell it for seven hundred, eight hundred, maybe a thousand. If they can find someone who actually wants to spend a thousand dollars on a comic book. It's a very hard thing to sell, even though it supposedly has this worth in some kind of magazine or someplace, you know, predicting that this is worth whatever this is worth. So I think that, you know, that was something I never was really interested in. So the idea of having digital comics and not being able to sell them or, you know, trade them back to people, I don't think that's a big deal, but I like looking at the comic. Now, I also have an iPad. So as an iPad user, you basically get the same picture of the comic, if not better in some situations, because you can blow up just the, the panels. If you're familiar with a comic book and comic book panels, you can blow them up to full screen on an iPad. Something that's a small panel can become really big. This is good in some situations. Some situations is not. A lot of times, comic book art is not that detailed. If it's in a small panel and meant to represent something that's kind of just a passing thing, blowing that up to a 13-inch, you know, megapixel, you know, Retina display comic or uh, iPad doesn't always look that great, right? But you can choose when you're reading the comic book. You can read it as a full page or a panel. So it's all preference. There's not really a, a downside to it. However, if you come across a great panel that someone you know, drew that you like a whole lot, you could really enjoy that artwork and blow it up and see it. And overall, the advantages, I think, outweigh the whatever the, the, the disadvantages are of owning you know, digital comics. I think Marvel Unlimited is a great deal. For $10 a month, you can go ahead and you can look through all these comics. You can read obscure comics. There's no there's no gamble, right? Like with a comic book store, you would have to pay for the comic book first. If you didn't like it, then maybe you wouldn't buy the next issue. But now what are you doing? You have some random issue in your collection. Do you just give it away? I mean, what do you do with this, this random book? I also used to love reading obscure books. Instead of coming in and reading a comic book that had like 300 issues... If a new independent company came out and they had a few issues of a brand new story, the story seemed interesting, it had good art, I used to love that because I knew I could collect that whole series. It'd be easy to collect them. So I, there's no reason to collect them now. I mean, in digital form, you can just read any of them. And Marvel Unlimited only covers Marvel Comics that I'm aware of. Um, I don't believe they have any other like subsidiaries or independent combo companies they're working with. I think there's another app called Comixology that kind of deals with like all the comics and I don't know if they have a subscription model, but I, don't, I think there you can actually buy individual issues of comics digitally. I have bought um, Mortal Kombat did a run on comics that, that linked into Mortal Kombat 10. And I did enjoy those comics and I wanted to read the story a lot because I love the Mortal Kombat story from the game. I wanted to know more about it. And I bought those comics individually, I believe through Comixology. But this was like maybe five or six years ago. This is a little while ago. So I think that that's something that's very interesting. Um, I want you guys to, if, you, if you're interested, check out Marvel Unlimited. Right now, they're doing this thing where there's a Marvel Fortnite crossover where they actually made five comics. You can buy these in physical form. At the end of every physical comic is a code. You can enter that code into your account. And then after you have all five codes, it unlocks a bunch of like exclusive Fortnite skins that you can play with inside the game. Um, but through Marvel Unlimited, after you get past your free trial and you're actually been charged like on day number eight, it's a seven day free trial. 
Day number eight, you're charged your, your whatever amount you choose from whatever payments here you choose. Mine would be the $10. At that point, if you've read all five of the Fortnite zero-point comics, then you will, in like 48 hours, they will email you a code. You put the code into your Marvel account, and then you unlock all the skins and stuff for Fortnite. Um, that's an incredible value. Two, you get two full skins in that, at least. You get Spider-Man zero-point and Iron Man zero-point. They're mashups of... A Fortnite art style for the Zero Point story with Spider-Man. He has an exclusive outfit that you normally wouldn't see in the comics. Same thing with Iron Man. He has this amazing suit. It's not exactly a Hulkbuster, but it's a bigger suit. Um, the, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he plays a character in Fortnite. He kind of has a bulkier suit. So I feel like this was like their, their in-between of like, we're not going to go full Hulkbuster, um, but it's not necessarily as small as like, like Tony's actual suit. And it comes with an Iron Man looking color to it and also a zero point looking color, which is more of a blue, gray, red combo. Definitely check them out. So yeah, if you're subscribed to it, you get those free skins, you get to read those comics. And then I'm reading Ironheart um, from 2018. It's a series that started with Ironheart. I believe she's from Invincible Iron Man. And this is when she made her debut and her origin, which I have seen online. Um, and I didn't know which Invincible Iron Man to start off with to go read her, her like origin story. But I guess her own run, or her first run that I'm aware of, was 2018 Ironheart. That's when the book started being called Ironheart. I started there. I'm interested in that series. I'm interested in a while as an Iron Man fan. I feel like moving into the future is Ironheart. That's where it's going. I know they always make Iron Man comics, but Iron Man's a character that is so old in the comics that I feel like they've done so many storylines with him. He's been a bad guy, a good guy. He's gone up, down, left, right. He's done so much stuff. I feel like it kind of starts to, I don't know, not, not ruin the character. But, I mean, in a way, it kind of goes beyond what the story of the character should be. Then they'll do this thing they call retconning where they'll, like, reset the character. They'll kill the character. They'll bring the character over from other universe. Yada, yada, yada. Just to get back to the fact that they know they, they've gone too far with a character. I'm not saying they did all these things with Iron Man specifically. I'm just saying that overall with the older combo characters... This is a problem I think that they run into where they don't know what else to do with them. I'm more interested in like, you know, um, Falcons and, you know, um, Sam Wilson's Captain America, right? I'm more interested in uh, Jane Foster's Thor, right? Some of the newer characters, I think they're easier to get into. And the other characters kind of could be like legends. Um, you know, I don't feel like there's great stories right now that come across. Even when I look at some of the X-Men stories, they're so elaborate. They're so, I feel like, convoluted. Which works in a comic book where you have time to read all this stuff. And maybe that's why people like comics. But I personally, at least getting back into comics, I like to come into the shorter stories. The Fortnite Zero Point stories, only five issues. Not that big of a commitment. And with Ironheart 2018, I know that series starts and ends. I can go ahead and just read that. And then when I'm done, I can see, you know, do I want to read something else? Or, you know, do I want to cancel my subscription? Definitely worth trying out for a month. Check out Marvel Unlimited. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about some other things going on. Entertainment, mainly TVs and video game stuff. Some VR stuff this week. And I also want to talk about learning um, how to learn, right? Some of these, these tips and tricks I'm, I'm experiencing and some progress I'm having in some things very quickly, which is changing some of the ways I'm learning things. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and you decide to hang out for after the commercial break. I'm Sammy Rye, and I'll be right back. And we are back. Now, I guess before we get into all the entertainment stuff, I want to kind of touch on, you know, the whole learning thing. Um, you know, I find I'm 37 years old, right? Now, I find that 
you know, as I look back on life and I guess in this, you know, mid life kind of situation, I have some some thoughts. Right now, I think one of them I, I realize is, you know, when you're growing up, there is definitely something to be said about having resources, having the advantage of having mentors, having someone that has a teacher or someone that can teach you things, having these these this time to focus on learning. Um, definitely as a, as a kid growing up in the inner city, there's a lot of stressors. There's a lot of things that take away your focus, a lot of things that you pay attention to as opposed to learning. I'm talking about regular public school education, which a lot of times is pretty generic and boring unless you come across an amazing teacher. And hopefully in your lifetime, you came across one or two of them. Um, but mostly learning is not something that seems like it's a really fun thing. I always picture those like Tiger Woods situations, which might be good or bad. But when you have this idea of some kind of, you know, mentor, dedicated parent, constantly teaching you one thing, what would happen if you had that, right? Now, I can see definitely downsides to that kind of a thing. But really what's more important to us as, you know, young adults, adults, anyone who's listening, um, you know, is really getting out and trying to learn new things. We are in an amazing age right now. And I mean more than ever. In 2022, you might think, oh yeah, well, I already know this, Sammy. I already know that I can go learn something on YouTube. You don't understand me. When I go on YouTube now, if you went, pretend YouTube is brand new. Let's take a minute and do that, right? And think about something that you wish that you had learned. Perhaps you wish you went to school for it. Perhaps you wish you went to like a camp or a retreat about these things. If you go on YouTube now, there are so many refined content creators for free making very well edited, very thought out, competitive educational videos, videos that are competing against other educational videos about the same topic, trying to get your attention, trying to get you to like and subscribe. The amount of quality that are going into some of these videos they surpass the kind of educational material we had from actual institutions creating videos and learning materials when I was younger. Um, even things you've seen before. You've seen YouTube videos like Expert Village used to do these all the time, like maybe like 10 years ago, where it's like a guy walks out into a parking lot and he's like, hi, I'm Jim from Expert Village and this is what I'm going to show you how to do. And then they sit there and kind of just talk to you. That's not what's going on anymore. We got special effects. We got, you know, multiple videos all at once, different camera angles, multiple camera setups. I've seen videos that demonstrate all sorts of things broken down with using the best technology that's out there. And maybe you might want to learn something that's a bit more obscure and someone hasn't really put that time and attention into teaching that. I would say for you, if you really are, have a passion for that, maybe you have a passion for teaching, maybe you're the person that needs to make those videos. I would also look around at some other videos and see what are they doing. Apply those camera techniques and those special effects to your niche and go out there and you make the material. If you don't, you say, well, I don't know. I went looking for it because I don't know. Well, then you're going to have to watch the, the lesser quality videos or maybe get a book or maybe go to school for it. But keep in mind, you can after you start learning that thing, another incentive could be you could be the person making the high quality content for that thing that you want to learn because you recognize there's a hole in the market, right? Whenever you find a hole in the market, if you have a passion for that subject, then that's something that you can take advantage of. If not, hopefully there is something out there that you like. I also recommend Udemy and Domestica. They're both um, apps that you have to pay for or you have classes to pay for, but they have amazing quality content on there too. 
But it's becoming harder for me to recommend those right now when I'm thinking about all the amazing content creators I'm finding on YouTube that are teaching you invaluable things, things that you can watch at your own leisure, things that you can watch at your own time. I had family that went to like a basketball camp when they were younger, right? And I always thought, I wonder what happens at basketball camp. Well, around eighth grade, I had met a, a public speaker who came to our school and they were trying to explain, you know, the kids that lie to themselves, that tell themselves they're going to go play basketball or they're going to be entertainers when they get older. They don't, a lot of kids don't realize what it actually takes to be a basketball player, how much hard work goes into it. And he explained some of the drills and things they would do and asked, he asked some of the kids, like, do you actually want to put in that kind of work to play basketball? And some kids were like, yeah, yeah, I would love to. And some kids were like, ah, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of just having fun, right? And that was a big difference. But I'm wondering, man, I wonder what happened if I went to a basketball camp. Now, I'm, I'm like 5'5", five, five, man, 5'6 five, on a good day, right? And I'm not somebody who was going to be great at basketball, but I liked basketball when I was younger. I had that situation where maybe when I was in my elementary school days, I grew up bigger than most of the other kids. I got to 5'5 five, five pretty quick. And everyone else was littler than me. So like middle school and stuff, I could play power forward. I could play center in some situations. I was bigger than a lot of the other kids. Then comes high school. Everyone else brought up beyond me, like to six foot, six foot five, all those kind of heights. Where then like basketball is a sport I enjoyed, but it didn't seem like I wouldn't be able to play it anymore. And this might not even been true. But in my mind, I started thinking, well, maybe I could play football or something like that. Um, and I never really got into any kind of sport. So at, at this age, I said, well, I wonder... Now, with the free time I have, there's a basketball court not far from my house. If I went online and started watching videos, what kind of videos are there out there for basketball? And I am amazed at just how much quality content is so competitive. It's hard to even find just one teacher because there's so many to pick from. The in-depth breakdown these videos, break down these concepts of basketball in ways I've never heard them explained. And the point is you can watch them whenever you want. You can rewind them if you miss something. You can look at all the camera angles they have and all the things that they're doing. They, they, there's nothing out there that you cannot learn. A few months ago, I started looking into the Unreal Engine. Again, lots and lots of quality content out there. I mean, when it comes to coding, so many things. If there's anything you want to learn, I've been trying to learn art for about three years. I'm always learning different things about art. That's always been a really fun journey for me. But there's so much quality content out there from different artists sharing their techniques. I think about a guy like Jim Lee, who I mentioned earlier in the podcast. I can only imagine what Jim Lee would have did if he was younger and he was creating art and then he was going out and he had all these other things he could learn from. Back then, he had to do it in a much, much more difficult way. Sometimes I think people then devalue the current education. They say, oh, well, you know, now you got all this educational material. But, you know, back then, people used to do it with nothing. That's the way to do it. Just do it with nothing. That is ridiculous and it's stupid. We don't apply that concept to anything else in life. If we make progress and we have new things to help you learn faster, you should learn faster. That's, that's why you have athletes that break records and break more records that used to exist is because they are taking advantage of the newer things that we know now, the new things we learn about health, new things we learn about fitness. They take advantage of those things. Whatever the tools are they can use, they want to have the best stuff on them to help them you know, achieve those goals. And they help can you know make new new strides for mankind. So take advantage of those things. Go out there, really jump into them. I recommend whatever it is you're doing this week, take some time to say, hey, I wonder if you have anything in your life you thought you missed on, or say, hey, I wonder what this would be like. I mean, just give you a, a, a small example from my little basketball thing I've been doing. I've probably gone to the court about three or four times. I might have watched about five or six videos. And the last time I was at the court, 
um, just by accident. I hit like seven random jumpers in a row. And that's not like, oh, wow, like in 10 days you can go ahead. No, seriously, just watching the videos, understanding more about basketball than I ever understood before, and just a little repetition, I could see, um, you know, meaningful strides in what I was doing. And I experienced the same thing with art. I, I messed around with art for several years when I was maybe in my 20s. And um, didn't really have much as going off if I had bought some books and things like that. And I never really found anything really meaningful. When I got on Udemy, I can say definitely over the last three years, it's helped me go from a person that no one would consider an artist, where like now I can pick up my phone and with my finger I can draw something on a piece of paper. Um, I understand enough techniques and stuff to create a picture. I understand the terminology. And that's because of Udemy and some other videos online. I like BJ Dell on YouTube. I definitely recommend BJ Dell if you're interested in drawing and you don't want to spend any money. Again, it doesn't cost you anything. It costs you nothing. If you're sitting around bored, that is that is complete BS. You can definitely take five, ten minutes out to watch one of these videos and it open up a whole a whole new world of activities that you can be getting into. That's what I wanted to say this week about learning. Um, next thing I want to talk, touch on is basically some other things going on in the movie industry, the TV industry, and obviously video games. Now, with She-Hulk and House of Dragons, I feel like I lumped those two together because they're coming out every week. That's what I'm watching weekly. Let me also call out, if you're not watching The Serpent Queen on Stars, I think that's also a very decent show. If you like watching TV, you're looking for like a third show in that situation, if you're watching She-Hulk and House of Dragons, is The Serpent Queen as good as The House of Dragons? It's a brand new show. It's not meant to be that big. I do think it has an interesting story. It's medieval, but updated in a certain kind of ways. They do these little fun things, like she'll like look at the camera, she'll say something kind of witty or something you don't expect. I enjoy that, and I like the actress. The actress, I believe, is Alpha from The Walking Dead. Um, it's her own show now called The Serpent Queen on um, on Stars, and I think it's another good show to add to that rotation. Also, this week coming out, we have Interview with a Vampire on AMC. I'm looking forward to that. That looks pretty good to me. So yeah, this Sunday, I should have four different or three different shows with House of Dragons, and then I'm, I'm watching you know She-Hulk on Thursdays. Um, but good quality content, I think, coming out. Um, and I think this week's House of Dragons was the one where they aged up the actresses, um, or the actors in general, but mainly the actresses, the ones people were kind of talking about the most. And I think this was an episode that was meant to be kind of like, I think they even said it, like a, another, another pilot, right? It's almost a new show. So it was a little difficult for me to adjust to think some of the new actors. Um, I think it was like that for most people, based on what everyone's saying. However, looking at the teaser for next week, I think things are going to really ramp up. I read online that they're only going to have maybe two or three seasons. Someone said like maybe four. I highly doubt they'll do four seasons. Um, maybe unless they get to the end and get greedy and decide to milk it. But the story is moving so fast, which I really appreciate. I, I feel really good for anyone who binge watches this show in the future. Um, it's going to be amazing because there's so much stuff going on. I think if you think of it in those terms, how quickly you can go from one situation to another in the course of two or three hours, if you're binge watching the show. Um, but for week to week, I think they do a lot on the show and I actually like the previews for next week because I feel like there's something really different going to happen next week. So as some people are saying this week was a slower episode, I think there's a lot of stuff they had to introduce you to. They were already moving too fast. Technically it's like they, it was slow, but so much passed. Ten years had passed. It's only an hour-long show. There's a lot of things they had to introduce, new concepts and stuff. 
And um, I think that some people who are vocal about it being too fast or not liking it doesn't represent the entire fan base. Um, it reminds me of DC when they do the New 52 comics where they like skip a year and then um, you kind of start off after a year has passed and then throughout the 52 weeks of the year, they kind of show you things that have happened they, and, and um, it's kind of a fun way to discover the story because all the characters you know are in a new place and then over time you kind of get that backfill as you're moving forward. Uh, I think it's a dynamic way to tell stories and it's a kind of fun way to do it. House of Dragons, they have a book. They have an official podcast. My friends told me that's really good. I want to check that out. Um, there's lots of other ways to kind of fill in the gaps if you're not really sure what's going on. Plus, there's like Reddit communities, Facebook communities, a lot of places people kind of will answer questions and stuff. I think that they're they're doing something kind of different by moving forward and not trying to hold your hand and um, really what I think is kind of milking the story. I think there's a lot of Game of Thrones scenes that are just two people walking in like a park or some woods basically and talking 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 and then we're in a throne room and they're talking 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 and i feel like in those situations i'm like yeah i know this is cheaper as opposed to hopping to lots of locations and having special effects and a lot of fighting that i think has happened a lot more in house of dragons so i, I appreciate that overall um, and I think that's definitely, you know, I'm looking forward to next week, right? I think overall, by the time the whole story is done, it'll be a good story. I don't know, you know, if there's going to be any characters. They're going to be, like, iconic and great, how we kind of like some of the characters from the original Thrones. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Definitely Damon, I think. If out of anybody, I think people like Matt Smith's Damon a lot. Um, She-Hulk, I, is She-Hulk's another situation is kind of interesting. Binge-watching that show, I think it'd be probably really, really fun. Watching week to week, they are pretty short. My wife has been saying this for like the second episode, third episode. She's kind of saying, yeah, these episodes are too short to wait a whole week to watch just a small episode like this. Um, We enjoy the show and it's fun, but it also doesn't feel like it has any kind of big stories going on or anything that means like you have to watch it. It means like it feels like you kind of could just skip the whole show and maybe come back later and binge it, which is fine. Not every single thing Marvel does can be this, you know, earth-shattering, you know, reality-defining moment. I think She-Hulk's meant to be a simple comedy about a lawyer and it's kind of fun situation. And it works fairly well that way. It's just, you know, with Marvel, when you're expecting bigger things, it feels like, um, she's, her stories have become surprisingly small in a sense where they're really about her going to work and there's like one person that she's kind of like fighting with. I can see that being the pitch. Like, oh, like, it's a lady at work and it's like one other little girl who's jealous of her. And they're fighting. Isn't that a great idea for a season of a show? And they kind of just did that. Um, and it's not a bad thing. I like the show a lot. But definitely I feel like that if someone said, hey, let's not watch the next few episodes. Let's wait and then binge it at the end. That I wouldn't be against it. Um, but usually on Thursdays, there's nothing else going on. And me and my family sit down and watch She-Hulk. So we go ahead and we watch that. Um, and that's a lot. That's the same for a lot of things. I haven't finished watching Miss Marvel. I'm sure at some point I'll go back and binge that. And while I've seen Moon Knight week to week, I feel like that show would also be good, binging, because there's a lot of different concepts they're introducing there. And like every week, I might not remember the thing that happened three weeks ago, right? If you told me something in 10 seconds and three weeks later you do something, I'm supposed to remember that three weeks later, three weeks prior to that, you told me something in 10 seconds, a new concept about like gods or how reality works. I might forget that mechanic that you're setting up in your story. But if you're binging it 
or if you had a YouTuber break it down or something like that. I didn't watch any like follow-ups on Moon Knight on YouTube. Um, but, you know, at the end of it, when it all is said and done, maybe that's something where I'll watch somebody recap the show or I'll go back and maybe binge that show again and kind of fill, give that fill-in of what Moon Knight is to the universe. If, if, if what he does even matters that much to the universe. I have, haven't so far seen other things going on in the Marvel movies that made people say, oh, you got to go watch Moon Knight, right? Even when I saw the Doctor Strange movie, I thought I had to watch What If first, and I didn't. I enjoyed I watched What If first. It was a very good show. Um, but it wasn't necessary to understand the movie. And I guess that's good, too, that everything kind of can stand on its own legs. And that's not so much like dependent on the other things. But yeah, with She-Hulk, I'm enjoying it. It's definitely something worth tuning in to go see if you have nothing else to do. However, if I miss a week, I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, definitely I think it'd be more fun to binge it. I have seen, I think, every episode two or three times, which is a first ever. Um, because they are that fun. They're funny when you're watching them. And I guess I'm making up for the fact that they're short because I might rewatch it the next day or something like that. And I'm enjoying them a little bit more. Um, but I did that probably for the first four or five episodes. At this point, I think I'm kind of feeling like, all right, well, let's let's get to something that more monumental, more more serious. It really matters. Or if this is going to be a fun thing to do, perhaps I'll just watch it again when the whole show's over. I can see me doing that like I did with Shit's Creek. I, I like to watch Shit's Creek casually. I could see me sometimes down the road, if I had nothing else to do, maybe throwing on an episode of She-Hulk. I don't do that with any of the other Marvel shows. I feel like the other Marvel shows being more epic, they kind of do require you to be more invested in them when you're watching them. So maybe that's a unique thing about She-Hulk. Now on the video game front, if you have Xbox Game Pass, you can play Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, and no extra charge. I highly recommend it. I'm currently playing it on my laptop when I have some time. And basically, it's like if you ever liked the movie 300, you wanted to be a Spartan. It's kind of like that's the thing you get to be while also learning about some assassination stuff, right? And that's something I think I didn't really appreciate about the Assassin's Creed games, what they started to do. I like Black Flag a whole lot, where basically you're a pirate and then you get to become like an assassin. But... That kind of made more sense to me. The other games, when they started going off into other different types of warriors that then eventually become assassins, it, they didn't have the same appeal to me. Because on the outside looking in, I didn't like the idea of, like, say, being a Viking. And then, you know, to me, I'm like, that's not Assassin's Creed. You're supposed to be an assassin. A Viking's a bigger guy. Um, you're typically a bigger person. Um, you know, and then I don't picture them being stealthy and doing those kind of things. Now... Playing um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is the next game I'm going to mention, um, kind of changed my view on that. Also, just looking at Odyssey, when I looked at Odyssey, I played that one before. I didn't finish it, but that one seemed more like a simulator, like an action RPG game where you get to be like going around, I believe it's Rome or Greece that you're in. And it just didn't feel like Assassin's Creed too much anymore. It felt like more of this open world action RPG if you wanted to be a Spartan. And that's fine. I perhaps didn't get to the point where it becomes more Assassin's Creed-like. Uh, it's a huge game. But um, that's available now on um, Xbox Game Pass, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So if you never tried it, go ahead and try it out. I put it, you know, put it back on my laptop, and it was amazing. Just looking at it, I said, wow, this is a game I don't think I fully appreciated at the time because I was kind of disappointed it wasn't going the way I thought it would, the way the other Assassin's Creed games had gone. But it, then again, I may, don't, I may not remember Black Flag. Black Flag, I know you do start off as a pirate. So I think I just kind of thought... 
a pirate then doing like sneaky things it kind of made more sense and in my head i thought it was just like one assassin game um and of course the original three games were more with the assassin order and they've kind of gotten away from that and gone into these other different types of warriors which is fine because i could still play black flag right now i could still play any of the games they all still are so good that they stand on their own so if you do want to you want to skip one you can do that but um definitely i recommend checking out um odyssey on xbox game pass now if you have the playstation plus premium over there you can now play assassin's creed valhalla um which is cool because now my ps5 i'm playing valhalla it obviously looks amazing and that is technically an older game it's not a ps5 game but it does shine on the ps5 and that game gets into the things about vikings i didn't really think about how you can raid a village how you can raid a town plunder um, how you can do, you know, fight with big two-handed weapons, which is not usually a, something you would think about when it comes to an assassin. And I'm realizing there's still a mission in that game where you're going to be looking for someone that you're going to assassinate. I'm assuming at some point they're going to come in contact with the, you know, the concept of the Assassin's Creed and that like whole sect of assassins around the world. And then you'll be able to be a stealthy character. And that game too, you can play as a boy or a girl. And you can switch that at any time. And they have a story point as to why the memory of who this person is you're playing, where they didn't really know if the person had a daughter or didn't know if they had a son. I like that a lot. When I was working on a Highlander screenplay, one of my treatments had this concept where it was the same thing, where I couldn't find any famous Viking princesses. So I had a character that was based off a Viking prince. However, history retold that it was a prince when in reality it was a princess. And that's how I created that warrior and brought her into modern times. That was one of the treatments I had for Highlander. Um, and I really liked that idea of a character. So with Valhalla, I liked the idea that, you know, the memory wasn't clear. Maybe it was a boy. Maybe it was a girl that you were playing. Um, and at any point in the game, you could switch because your character in Assassin's Creed, if you don't know, this is potentially a spoiler for you if you haven't played Assassin's Creed ever, um, the cool thing about Assassin's Creed games is they actually take place in present day, or I would say actually in the near future, where there's a technology that allows you to relive the memories that are stored inside of our DNA from our ancestors. So they'll find someone that has an ancestor that's related to this person's history, and then they'll put them inside a machine and let them relive those memories so you can find out secrets as to like where they might have hid something or what actually happened. Um, and then it can record those memories. Um, it's a, it, I think it's a cool sci-fi story. But when you look at it, you can just kind of ignore all that really and just enjoy the Viking aspect of it or the Greek warrior aspect of it based on which game you're playing. But definitely, I would recommend, if you guys haven't checked them out, check them out. There's a new Assassin's Creed they announced called Assassin's Creed Mirage. Um, again, I'm not sure if I'm that excited about that story because it's not like based on a warrior type that I'm, I'm you know a fan of. Um, there's rumors, there's always been rumors, I don't even like talking about it, because there's always rumors about this, that supposedly they're going to make an Assassin's Creed in Japan. I am a big fan of samurais, obviously, uh, and ninjas. Um, I like Ghost of, Ghost of Tsushima, that's the game I played a whole lot. To me, in a lot of ways, that's Assassin's Creed Japan, already got that, don't need another one necessarily. However, if they do make an Assassin's Creed game that takes place in Japan, I will obviously buy that day one, and play it. Um, especially since it'll be made for the PS5 with all the PS5 enhancements and stuff like that. 
that would actually be pretty amazing. It'd be a pretty lucky thing, I think, to have such a you know storied franchise, so much money, so much budget in those games, little things like the costumes the Vikings have, the snow, the way they decorate the cabins. There's so much detail that goes into the worlds when they when Ubisoft makes those games. And got to give them credit for that. So definitely check out those games. Again, you don't have to buy them if you already have a subscription to one of those services. That's the third subscription service I mentioned on this week's podcast alone. And yeah, I mean, I know people say, oh, you know, 10, 20, 30 bucks, um, you know, it's all starting to add up. Not really. I mean, if you just purchase video games, if you bought one video game a month, that might be $60. If you bought a season pass for that video game, that might cost you upwards to you know almost $100 in some situations. So for right now, with those things I talked about, for about you know 30 plus 10, I mean, for about $40 for this month, you could have unlimited comic books, a bunch of games on Xbox, and a bunch of games on PlayStation. All of those games can be played from your laptop because PlayStation does have an app for the Windows computer. Xbox has an app for the Windows computer. Um, and then they even, I don't know about the PlayStation having a cell phone version, but I know Xbox does. I've played No Man's Sky off my cell phone. That's it, a ton of entertainment for 40 bucks. And you might say, oh, you don't get to own it. You don't get to keep it. Again, these things devalue. Why buy games for $60? There was no point in keeping it. It was basically disposable. You could throw the game in the trash when you're done. Um, there was a time where you go to GameStop, maybe if you didn't like the game anymore and try to trade it in for like 20 bucks, whatever. Again, there's many things you can do to get $20. You don't have to think of things in this, these terms anymore. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend checking these things out, enjoying them while you can really, really fun games. A lot of content there for you to get into. I wanted to mention that tomorrow, on the stream, well, actually, you guys will be, this will come out Thursday. So the stream on Wednesday this week, maybe next week also, I'm going to probably play Assassin's Creed Valhalla off the PS5, showing off the graphics, showing some of the mechanics. I don't want to do Fortnite every week and be looked at as like a Fortnite streamer. Um, it's just Fortnite's new season kicked off recently around the time I started the stream. So I want to do different games. I have done No Man's Sky on the stream. So that tomorrow I'll be doing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, giving people a little something different and showing them some of the beginning parts of that game that I'm experiencing off the PS5. Um, and then that's, again, the streams tomorrow or Wednesdays. Every Wednesday is around 6 p.m. 9 p.m. is the fallback time in case I missed the 6 p.m. window. Usually we start like around 5.55, uh, 6 p.m.-ish, you know, and we're going to stream off of YouTube. If you don't know how to get to my stream, like always, check out semiride.com. I have a link right there, the first page to get into the YouTube. If you're on a mobile device, there's three horizontal lines you're going to see in the top right or top left corner. That's your menu bar. Click that menu bar. When a drop-down pops up, you'll find the Discord link. You'll find the, the YouTube links there. Check out samuride.com. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention this week before we go is VR. There's something worth talking about in the space of VR. It's been kind of quiet on the VR front for maybe about the last six months. But on the MetaQuest 2, that's Facebook's you know mobile low-price VR headset that you, you should get, I definitely recommend getting it. There's a ton of content there for you to play if you haven't got into it. Um, with me, with my VR, you know, kind of looking back on it, I played it pretty seriously for about a month or two. And I thought that was really good for the price. I thought, um, yeah, this is one of the serious systems in my house. I bought an extra battery. battery I bought a ca- carry case. I was pretty serious about it. After I got through most of the games that they had available at the time, it kind of died off. But I didn't feel like it died. I felt like, okay, I played a lot of this stuff. Now it's time for it to wait. I have some other things that are going on that I wanted to do. Um, I think now there's a new game worth going back to VR and a MetaQuest for. It's called Bone Labs. It's basically a game 
that lets you do almost anything that you can do in VR in one game. It's a sandbox puzzle game. There's a slight story, slight puzzles and stuff like that. But really the fun of that game is that you can do all the VR stuff. So you can shoot, use melee weapons, use your hands, you can climb around, you can throw things. Everything that you can do in VR kind of in one place. And there's like a loose story to tie all the mechanics together. But really it's the thing to show off the VR if you have friends come over. And, and then in the game they have a bunch of guns, different things, pretty decent graphics. It's based off of a, a game on the PC called Bone Works, which again I think is a bit more full featured. I don't know if every single feature is coming to Bone Labs, um, but if you have purchased the Bone Labs game, I believe you also get it on the PC. So if one day you have you know VR on the PC, which you may not, I feel like that's the most expensive way to get into VR. Um, still, if you buy the game for what it's worth, it is cross-buy, if that's something you're interested in or you think you care about. Um, maybe you're on the fence about VR, you think you want to try the MetaQuest, um, that's the cheaper one, and if you like it a whole lot, you might spring for the other one, then there you go. You go ahead, buy MetaQuest, try Bone Labs, you like it, then maybe you go ahead and move on to the, the bigger version of it on the PC. Um, the other thing I want to talk about was they have announced the PS5 VR, um, basically PS PlayStation VR 2, which is for the PS5, right? And I'm super excited by that. A bunch of features they said they're going to have on it. And what I'm really excited about is a lot of the PC games, the best high-end versions of VR games, they were exclusive basically just to PC because the PS4 couldn't run it or the MetaQuest couldn't run it. Now will be available on the PS5, or at least you'll be able to put them on the PS5. Whenever they make those systems, usually those systems encompass the current power of PCs in like the next five years. So anything coming to VR, I would imagine now or in the next two or three years, should be able to run on the PlayStation 5 version of VR, PlayStation VR 2. Um, and that's something I think definitely worth investing in. I skipped the first VR on PlayStation 4. I felt like there was no way they could have done it and that they weren't experimenting on us and try, like basically trying to figure it all out. I didn't want to spend an extra $300, $400 on VR and then it not be that great. So I waited not for the first MetaQuest. I got the MetaQuest 2. In this situation, I didn't get the first PlayStation VR. I'll be getting the, the PlayStation VR Part 2. I already got the camera for the streams. I got the PS5. So we're moving all the pieces into place. But this is something I'm going to try to pre-order, try to get early on. And I'll suffer through whatever problems they have at the beginning of it. Um, and then I'll probably do some streams and stuff and show off the PS5 you know, VR 2 and show you guys how that stuff looks. Definitely, if you're interested in VR at all, I'm saying 100% buy it. Um, there's only more things going to come on in VR. The PlayStation 4 stayed around for about, I think it was like 10, 11 years. I could see the PS5 staying around for 15 years. I do not think those cycles are going to get smaller. They might have a PS5 you know, 2.0 where they like add a chip or something. But really this platform, the PS5 platform, I think will be here at least 10 years, if not 15 years. Um, I don't see them trying to you know, make another one very quickly. Which means if you get that PSVR, you can expect to be playing a lot more games. There's obviously a lot of support behind it. Facebook's putting a lot of support behind VR. Quest has nothing but you know upward growth, basically. I think um, you're going to see PlayStation trying to compete in there. Apple has even announced that they are going to step into the VR space. VR is not going away. We're past the point of wondering if it's a gimmick. It's been almost 10 years. They've only increased the production of VR games and the quality of them. 
this is the time to get into VR. So if you're going to go ahead and you're going to pre-order something, pre-order that, treat yourselves, get into VR, start taking it seriously. The MetaQuest is a fun thing to do. If you're really, really still not sure, you really can't hurt yourself. Get yourself the cheaper version of the MetaQuest. I recommend getting the bigger one because I like having lots of games installed. I don't like uninstalling, reinstalling. By the time I do all that, I sometimes I don't even feel like playing the game anymore. I don't have that kind of free time like I used to to like mess around with computers all day and do all that stuff. Um, the MetaQuest 2 is a much easier way to get into VR. So if you don't have that, um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're local, you're, you happen to want to come by and check it out, I'm more than happy to show off VR to my friends and family and stuff, people I hang out with. Um, but definitely, you know, it's, it's a worthy investment. I remember, you know, kind of wondering if I should get the MetaQuest and after I bought it, like I said, I did not, I did not feel bad about it. Um, I even bought my mom and dad to play. And my mom and dad, I think, you know, are in their 50s. Um, they don't play video games. And they both enjoyed it. And when they had that situation where they were thinking, you know, when they left, maybe they should buy it. Um, they even brought it up after that. They hadn't bought it yet, but they had brought it up. Oh, maybe we should buy that. Maybe that'd be fun. And I 100% think that especially in that situation for family, it, you know, if everyone had it, we can go online and play together it is a different interactive experience than just doing the video chat, just doing a conversation. And, you know, everyone gets on Mark Zuckerberg about every single thing he says and does. But when he talked about the metaverse, not trying to replace actual human interaction, just trying to take those digital interactions and make them better. Um, you know, not saying that you're not going to interact people hum- you know, in, the, in the human world or, or the regular reality. Um, it's just, you know, why when you call your, your mom... Are you sitting there with the phone in your hand doing just a video chat? Why not get together and play a game? Why not play with the kids? Why not do something more interactive? I have situations, I know my mom will talk about, where like if she's hanging out with my, my daughter and they're in a physical space together and my daughter wants to crawl around the floor and play certain games, a lot of times for an adult, if you're like wearing a certain kind of outfit or like you're just chilling, that's a bit uncomfortable. But if you can sit down and you know, again, you're, you're, you're maybe not in the same room, but if you're further away and you want to, you know, spend time with your your family, you can easily put on a headset, get in there, and create memories. That's what you're doing. You're creating memories, whether you're in that physical space or not. Physical will always be better. You know, it's not about replacing the physical, but definitely there's something to be said about VR when it comes to the different things you can do. Everyone who's tried it that I've showed it to have all come the way thinking, I think I want one of those. So I've heard that before. Before I got it. I wasn't really that sure, um, and then I got it, and yeah, there's stuff for real gamers, there's stuff for casual people, and then there's like cool things like 3D painting, all the other kind of digital stuff that you could be doing. Definitely check it out. I think you guys will like it, but that's pretty much everything I had this week for the podcast. Thank you guys so much for, for hanging out. I know my friend Anthony has a new podcast coming out this week. Hang out in the Discord when he gets his podcast up and running. I hope he gets a chance to promote, promote it in our Discord, in the Samurai Syndicate, so you guys can check out what he has to talk about. And I, Like I say in the Anchor commercial, I think everyone should try to do a podcast. This is a lot of fun. It keeps me honest. This is episode 80, uh, 80 weeks of podcasting so far. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see any time of stopping anytime soon. I feel like I'm still improving, still getting better. And something I really enjoy doing. So thank you guys so much for hanging out. Thank you guys for all the support. I hope you guys are having a great week. And whatever endeavors you're out there chasing. Sam and Rise here. I love you guys. I wish you the best. Peace.